Local on the Go Show listeners, don't forget to give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Racing season is right around the corner, so grab your One to Go Show tee or hoodie today. All right, race fans, Ryan Aho here on my way back up from the south, uh, kind of the south, I guess, right? But not all the way in the south, but pretty close down there. Finally got to take some racing in. And, of course, the one and only Burt Lehman. Bert, you get is it is it snowing in Wisconsin again? What what's the deal up there? Um, yes. Uh, I mean we where I live, we just got a dusting. So, uh, but it was like high of thirty seven today. But just a little bit west of us, Wasa got like six inches of snow. Um, uh, there further west and further north, they got like nineteen inches of snow. Um, it was funny because uh, lacrosse, they got a bunch of snow and they posted on their Facebook page. They turned all the caution lights on at their at the lacrosse racetrack <laughs> and said that there was a weather delay. Their cautions out because and the just snow all over the place on the track. I saw that. That video got a lot of hits, right? So that was <laughs> that was pretty clever of them guys over there. I think the fix is in, right? Because you kind of said Shano's going to push back a week. They did. And I kind of blame you. So everybody over that <laughs> neck of the woods, Bert Lehman is the reason. He's got something. I think he's got a little fling going on here with Mother Nature. I'm not really well, sure. Not real happy about it. Well, Beaver Dam Raceway, they have two shows in already because they raced they, last. They raced last Tuesday, and then they had our IRA Sprint Car Show on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, you said there's a little news. We'll talk about them a little bit more later. But of course, Bird episode 173, this episode brought to you by our friends at Zuli's Race Engines with soda racing right around the corner, right? And what does that mean? That means it's time for them to shine. If you can't beat them, join them. Zuli's Race Engines, you know, whether it's winning races, winning championships, they have the speed, they have the dependability, they have the total package. Get a hold of Frank over at Zuli's Race Engines if you want to start winning right out of the gate. That's, that's a pretty good way to get started. So on today's show, Bert, my first, my first race of the year, did you get a race in yet this year? I don't think you did, right? I have not been to one in person, no. All right, <laughs> I beat you to it. I beat you to it. I'm winning. I'm winning that one. You kicked in my butt in another deal. Some great fan questions kind of pertaining to that event I was at. Fan Fest, take two. That one yes. actually got underway, so that was good. Our top five moments of the week we're going to add that in here this week our picks some bold predictions but Bert, first a little bit of more bad news in the racing community um you know we talked a week ago uh darren hazelton passed away you know there's speculation he took his own life you know we got to take this mental health stuff seriously you know rick eshelman right at the end of last year tragic took his own life don't know all the details clearly some depression stuff darren hazelton and now street stock racer from central minnesota justin beergo um bird i think he's like 24 years old um bad bad deal um i was talking to a buddy of mine and he said he he bought a late model uh refurbished masters built that they actually redid over at mars kale berry had the car Sold him the car. He had big plans. He was going to race late model this year. He's all excited. And he just, uh, I guess on Friday, he took his own life. So extremely tragic. So 
you know, let's, I mean, let's, let's be honest, right? 20 years ago, if somebody talked about mental health, they're struggling, depression, it was kind of like, uh, you know, ah, whatever, tough enough with being a baby, you know, and people just didn't talk about it. But now, I mean, it's more common than ever, which is sad. No, the good part about it being common is it's, I don't want to say normal, but it's way more acceptable than ever before that if you're struggling, reach out to somebody, uh-huh. you know, there's a lot of help out there. I mean, it doesn't need to come to this. I mean, you look at, you know, one of my favorite actors of all the time, you know, good morning Vietnam. And he, you know, who would have thought that he would have did that? You know I mean? So, I mean, that it's out there. Unfortunately, it seems like it's getting more and more common. Maybe we're just more connected. So we're hearing about it more, but uh, thoughts and prayers to, you know, his family, his friends, everybody involved with Justice Beer go there and, you know, just a tragic deal. So, Bert, uh, I, that's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, you know, thoughts and prayers to the family. And uh, uh, you're right. I mean, in the past, there was, there was somewhat of a stigma, you know, if you, went to see a psychologist or a therapist. Um, but that's, I'm not gonna say that's totally disappeared, but uh, it, it's more accept, acceptable uh, in many people's minds to do that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it. I mean, back in 2008, I, I went through Lyme disease that went undiagnosed and it was for like, eight months, my life was just a living hell because I was in pain all the time. And, you know, doctors kept telling me it was all in my mind. Um, and during that time, I did see a therapist. I mean, I, I did see a therapist. And, um, you know, af- after I figured out what my issue was, that it was Lyme disease and got properly treated, you know, eventually, you know, I didn't have to see a therapist because I got, you know, um, better and then after my divorce I saw I saw a therapist too after that and you know I'm I'm not afraid to admit it um and as as my therapist said in my last session with him he said you've graduated I there's no reason for you to see me anymore so you know I'm I was lucky in the fact that you know I had there was a set goal that I was trying to achieve and I could get there um you know a lot of people with uh with uh mental health issues you know they always have to um be seeing a therapist or you know being treated uh but but i mean don't don't be scared to be treated if you feel that you know you need the treatment yeah and let's face it you know i've I've read this and we've all read this people don't pretend you know to be depressed they pretend to be happy right you know so so keep that in mind. And that's just another reason. Treat people right. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I mean, I jazz people up once in a while, but we don't know what people are going through. So just treat them right. And, and uh, maybe it'll save somebody's life someday. And, and if anybody listening to this ever is going through something, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but if you need somebody to talk to, you know, hit me up, text me, call me, whatever, you know, and you know, you know, it doesn't even have to be all that personal, but if you just need somebody to talk to, there's a lot of people here. So, Bert, let's jump into a blast to the past. We're gonna, we're gonna kind of start our own another show for that, but that's gonna be pushed back a week. Um, we just didn't quite have things together, probably with me traveling, a lot going on, but um, we're gonna kind of incorporate it back into this show this week. 
and then next week it's going to be its own episode. So I'll, I'll have I'll have some good ones for next week. All right, all right. I got a <laughs> lot of them this week. I'm gonna let you think a little bit. So episode 173, of course, this brought to you by Impact Health Sharing. You know, if you're a business owner, if you pay for your own health insurance, right? It don't matter if you're a business owner, employee. Um, small business guy where you're self-employed, whatever the case may be, if you're paying too much or if you just maybe don't have it because it costs so much, shoot me a text, uh, 218-969-1380. I can get you some information. I can get you a quick quote, see if maybe we can help you out. So hit me up for your health insurance needs. Now, episode number 73, Bert, you said, I don't know if I have any. So one of my favorite movies of all time, Oh, I just thought of one. I do have one. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, we're going to stick with this theme. We'll come back to that. We all know Brewster Baker. We all know him. Who was the nemesis other than the the sheriff? But who was... It's been a while since I've watched the movie. Turd Logan, man. Turd (laughs) Logan. So, you remember Breezy? Folks, if you haven't seen the movie Six Pack, Go ahead, grab a tack hammer, smack yourself in the head. Just kidding. Don't actually do that, right? Jump onto YouTube. It's free. Type in six-pack. It's an old-school Kenny Rogers racing movie. You got to watch it. But a uh, little clip in there, um, the the girl in the movie, she was kind of flirting a little bit. Next thing you know, the old uh, six-pack stole old Turk Sildner heads. He wasn't real happy about that. Kind of reminded me maybe of some of my old pit crew back in the day. Um <laughs> We won't get into some of those stories. Uh, maybe we will. That's a couple weeks away. So, couple. Who do you have? You said you have a seventy-three. Who do you have? Um, I, uh, I'm say modified driver uh, from Fo- Frog Station. Fro- he was known as the Frog Station Flash. Uh, nice. Actually, uh, Dan Ratajczak. Uh, he raced IMCA modifieds. And now he is co-owner of 141 Speedway. Oh, no kidding? Yep. <laughs> him, well, there you go. You have to give him a shout out. We're going to have to make it over to that place at one. Yeah. At, at him, one him, and his bro- him and his brother and Toby Cruz own 141 Speedway. Okay. They got a lot of pretty cool specials over there. Yeah. Um, I think three classes got 10 random win races. So yep. uh, one of those tracks I'm going to have to check out. So I'm going to go north of the border, right? Not north of the Wisconsin. Well, maybe Wisconsin too, but we're going to go to Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. Back in the early 80s, Bert, the late model contingent up there was so strong, right? You had Tom Nesbitt and Joel Kreiderman. You know, before that was John Jones, but those two were kind of the pinnacle. You know, the two top late model guys. But my favorite, one of them, my favorite guys, probably my second favorite because Kreiderman was my favorite. But this guy here, Jeff Helgett. Um, he ran the number 73. He ran well. I mean, he was he right, he got some wins, stole some wins from Kreiderman and Nesbitt. He used to come down to Hibbing, ran Hibbing, Proctor, Superior, and uh for years, um, handful of years there in the 80s, he would actually come over to my dad's place north of Chisholm, work on his car. And uh, do you remember Weird Al Yankovic? Oh uh, yeah, I love I love Weird Al. I have dude, a bunch of his CDs. <laughs> this guy here, right? I'm gonna see if I can find a picture to post on here. This guy here, he he was like a spitting image, right? And we, <laughs> everybody called him Weird Al Yankovic, right? So that's uh, you know, he owns a business up there in Thunder Bay. I I haven't seen him for a long time. Got a lot of pictures of him from as a kid, but 
Jeff Helgen from up in Thunder Bay. Now, another, another late model guy, this guy from Wisconsin, Bert, right over by the Cedar Lake Speedway, his car kind of looked like the Turk Logan number 73. Do you remember Sid Kittleson? No, I don't. Yeah, he mostly ran, I think, Cedar Lake Lomenominee. And special time, I know he'd always come up to Labor Day, the Silver 1000. I remember seeing him up in Thunder Bay. Super nice guy. Um, it's been eons. I mean, I'm talking probably in the 80s since I've seen this guy last. For some reason, I don't remember why, but one of my dad's friends, maybe maybe Bob Kangas, but I, I can't remember for sure, knew Sid. And we actually went over to his house and opened up his garage door. He had a pair of matching Corvettes in there. I'm like, damn. Like, I was a little kid, like seven, eight years old. I'm like, I'm impressed. Like, this guy's really cool. He's got two Corvettes and a late model. I mean, that's freaking awesome. But uh, Sid Kittleson, a guy, they had some nicknames for him. He wasn't necessarily a guy that won a bunch of races, but but he was one of those guys that was a big part of the sport for a long time. And, you know, hopefully he's doing well. If, if anybody has any stories about any of these drivers that we talk about, you know, share them with us, post them in the comments, um, maybe send us a message about it. We'll post them in the comments. We'd love to hear. And uh, if you know, if you've talked to these drivers in recent years, let us know. We'd love to hear what they're doing now. Um, now we're going to head up to Hibbing, Minnesota for, for years, Bert. Um, they had a local class. They had a six-cylinder division. This was before the super stock division, and it was kind of their their own rules. And really, it was just Hibbing had them. I think six, they, they ran in Rapids maybe a year or two, but Hibbing was kind of a, a six-cylinder staple. Some of the top drivers to ever come out of the Hibbing Raceway started in that six-cylinder class. And uh, one guy that kind of stuck with the six-cylinders throughout, Phil Lenoy, and uh, do you remember the old AMC? I think they're AMC, the Gremlins. Remember the Gremlin cars? Yep. Yes. He had one of those. He had one of those. Yeah, a little hatchback deal out there. It just looked goofy as hell. And he had a pretty good uh, power plant under the hood. And uh, in recent years, when I was still racing, I would buy spindles for my modifieds. And I'd bring them over. He actually worked at a machine shop. And, and he'd ream all my spindles and, and do all that for me. So um, super nice guy. Haven't talked to him in a few years. But Phil Lenoy from up in Hibbing. Now, when you think modified racing in Wasoda back in the day, what name comes to mind? Well, Ron Jones is one. Okay, so this guy here is going to literally whoop the shit out of you, okay? Because I'm going to talk about Dennis Jones, right? Okay. Dennis Jones is Ron's brother. He was a hell okay. of a racer, too. So Dennis Jones won a lot of races. Not as many as Ron. He did not. But I don't think he maybe quite had the backing behind him. But it's kind of like, it's one of those deals. This family, Bert, I'm telling you, like, talented race car drivers. But there's so many stories of them at Princeton, like, literally about ready to rip the sides off each other's car. And they'd be ready. They're, they're like, throwing punches at each other at the Princeton Speedway. But then as soon as somebody would step in and take a side, they'd kind of turn on that person. Right, like, we'll fight together, but you stay the hell out of it type deal. But uh, Dennis Jones, uh, he won the Wasota 100. I believe it was in a 73. He ran one of the 54s, the, the Brueggemann rides for a while as well. But what I remember about Dennis was that, that horrific accident up in Thunder Bay. He was in 54 at the time where he got upside down, fuel cell ruptured, started on fire. He was in the hospital for a long time. His son, Andy Jones, he's still racing. 
hell of a wheel man. But Dennis Jones got some back problems, kind of struggling through some health issues. Hopefully he can get uh, get back into fighting shape here. We'll see what happens. He, he hasn't been moving too quickly over the last couple of years. But uh, Dennis Jones is a really good race car driver um, for a long time. Now, we'll kind of stick to that same area because his stomping grounds was Princeton. We're going to go super stocking, right? Greg and Dick Boji. Now, they're, Greg's hit Cameron. I think he, I don't remember if he was number 73 or not. I feel like I should know that. But I know those two where I raced against both of that, both, both of them. I ran against more Dick Boji than Greg. And uh, I got a little story here from Dustin Nelson said, Greg probably doesn't like this memory too terribly much, but we went into the final night at Princeton, um, I think tied, and Dustin ended up beating him by one point to lock up the championship. So that, that kind of probably stings Greg to this day. But one cool thing, so I was remember I went down to Arizona to visit my parents here a while back. I was down at Lake Havasu City. I posted on Facebook that I was there. Sure as heck, Dick Boji is in town. He calls me up. We go up for some ice cream, share some, share some times that we had back in the day, and and uh, just super good people. And he actually won his biggest win was a ten thousand to win enduro race over at the Cedar Lake Speedway. I think he won the first one that happened over there. So uh, pretty good guys and a lot of fun. They were back when the racing culture was strong and people hung around and partied. They were they were right in the mix. They were they're pretty fun to be around for sure. Uh, Mod 4 guy. We're going to go back to Wissota Mod 4s here. 2001 Wissota Mod 4 national champion, Steve Johnson. He ran the 73. I don't, I know Steve a little bit. So really good guy, fairly quiet. But I remember making many trips down to the KRA Speedway down in Wilmer. And he, he parked it in Victory Lane a lot in the 2001 season. And I got to see a lot of those wins down there. We're going to take another national champion. We're going to do your Wissota Late Model National Championship trivia here for the <laughs> late model guru, Bert Lehman. All right. 1991 Wissota Late Model National Champion from the great state of South Dakota. I don't know. Doug Dinger. Doug I, Dinger. I've actually never heard of him. You've heard of them now. You had to do some yep. research. And, and tragic, I don't know exactly how it happened, Bert, but he lost his life at a very young age. Um, tragically passed. And a buddy of ours, a, a big friend of the show, a friend of mine, Big Al Schmidt, shot me over some info, said, man, they, they ran together a lot back in, I guess, the late 80s, early 90s, it would have been. And, you know, they kind of hang around. Probably, yeah, probably have a few too many bush lattes and, and whatever, but they had a hell of a lot of fun. And he said in 1989, it was super cool because him and Al, him and Doug Dinger, both won the Winter Nationals at Aberdeen, and they both won the, the Camp Bin doubleheader at Casino. And uh, he said he had a lot of good memories of Doug Dinger. So one of the one of the greats, a lot of South Dakota drivers have won with Soda Late Model National Champions. I should have looked here because I don't know for sure, but he might have been the first one. I'm not positive. He might have been the first late model from South Dakota to lock up a title. Now we're going to go back to Super Stocksburg. Let's go back over to the Cedar Lake Speedway. Tom Nicious. Now, this guy won a ton, ton of features in the, in the seven. Uh, he had a 17. He drove Osterman's 17 car. Of course, Eggersdorf famous for that as well. His son, Nick, is in his second year of Midwest Mods. I got a story. I, I vaguely remember this. My dad, my dad does, so I bet. 
So Ron Jones is driving for my dad, 81, 82. We, we show up down there and the body's completely mangled. Ron, one thing about Ron Jones, right? He won a lot of races, but he tore shit up for me, right? I mean, there, was, there wasn't a straight panel left on the car ever when Ron was driving it. And Nice's is like, what? I think some, I, if I remember this correctly, keep in mind those seven or eight, he's like, the hell are you guys going to do with that? You running a demolition derby? Like he was just kind of like ribbing Jones a little bit. Uh, Jones got the last lap because he kind of whooped him that night. So he's like, well, I guess we're running a demo derby, but I won the feature tonight. How did you do again? So um, I, I don't think I've ever met him, but I remember that story as a kid. I'm not positive that's how it goes, but that's how I remember it. And the last one we got from our friend Lauren, who's, who's a great contributor to the show and uh, kind of spurring that adding a, a, a second show to kind of make the, the main show a little shorter, but Mike Tusi. So I know Mike Tusi, right? But he's Mike Jr., right? And, and he raced there. I, I believe we were in a wedding. Um, Jim, that was on the show, I think we were in his wedding together. I think Mike might have been the best man. I can't remember. They worked together. But his dad, 21 years in the Air Force, Bert, and, and he, he tragically passed here, you know, a few years back. But uh, he, he raced the street stock out in Rapid City, South Dakota, moved to Duluth. He raced for several years. He owned some cars. And I talked to, talked to my buddy Tusi there, and he said, he goes, story has it that the day, literally the day I came back from the hospital, I sat on his lap, and he gave me a ride around the yard in his race car. Well, that's good parenting. That's what that is. That, you want your kid to race, give them a ride in a race car, you know, from, from day one and they're probably going to become a race car driver. So um, it's kind of fun to have uh, this blast of the past. Looking forward to kind of starting a second show with it. But what do you got, Bert? I think I might have one. I'm not positive that he raced this number, uh, but a former national champion in the late model division, um, fairly recent. I mean, within the last 20 years. He's racing a mod now. Zach Johnson? Yes, that's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> he has multiple national championships. And I had him on the list, but he's still racing. He's running a six. Oh, I, I, I didn't realize he was still racing. Okay. He, so one thing about about Zach Johnson, have you ever you, – you watch much on YouTube? Um, yeah. So check out the Millennial Farmer. That's, that's okay. Zach Johnson. Huge, huge following. Um, he farms over in central Minnesota there. But, yeah, Zach Johnson, that, that's a good catch right there. But, yeah, he's still uh, <laughs> okay. he's still turning some laps. He actually he ran in the top five in the series for the Advantage RV Mod Tour last year. So he's, he's still getting her done. Uh, speaking of YouTube, I, I mean, you asked me if I watch YouTube, and I'm thinking, well, what am I supposed to be watching on YouTube? But uh, one thing I watch, I don't know why I'm fascinated by this, but I'm fascinated by the work done in junkyards. Uh, I could sit for hours just watching those big cranes with the magnets throwing metal around and cutting metal and unloading trucks and loading trucks. My buddy Robbie's got a, a junkyard for sale. I mean, if you're really fascinated, <laughs> probably worth well, a deal and sell your house. I actually posted this on Facebook one time because there's also those videos of those shredder metal shredding machines where you put bikes and stuff in there. And it's like when I retire, I want to find a part-time job where I can shred 
shred metal things. <laughs> I'm guaranteeing you they're all hiring because like everybody else, they can't. You, you won't have a problem finding a job. That's for sure. So let's move on to the next segment. I finally got my first race of the year in. I made it down to the baddest bull ring in the south right here, the Volunteer Speedway, Bulls Gap, Tennessee. Um, shout out to my buddy, Dan, because he kind of spurred the idea. He says, you know, let's see if you can get your dispatch to bring you down there. And I kind of waited, Bert, because I, I was going to say if my better half, Brenda, if she was going to be home, I was just going to go home and hang out with her. She decided I'm going to go to Texas and go see the grandkids. While the woman's away, I will go play, right? So I went down to Bulls Gap and we got some golfing. Never thought I'd be sore, right? I'm, I'm my back's a little sore. I'm, I'm uh, they always say, you know, rounds of shape, but it's not necessarily the shape that I want to be in. Like it's not good, right? Uh, not good that you're getting sore playing golf, but we'll get into a little recap kind of my takes, your takes from, uh, I guess it would have been the thaw. What was it? The, the spring thaw, I think it was yeah, called. Yeah, I think. This episode, or this, this segment brought to you by Brad Parson, Egg Solutions. So, farmers, listen, listen. If you're in western Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, right? I get it. It's cold. I get it, right? There's snow and all this crap, but it's going away. You're going to be getting crops in the ground sooner rather than later. Well, if you're going to put crops in the ground, you got you have spray packages. I don't know much about that. Brad does, right? So he has numbers. He has testing. They, I mean, he can get you any data that, that you want, but give him a call at 320-219-3542, and, and he's going to get some products in your hands that are going to give you better yields, more profitability, and everything you're looking for to have a successful 2023 um, planting season so give them a call so xr super series event burnt down at the volunteer speedway first question for you is did you watch it online i watched saturday show i didn't watch the midweek well, friday show. yeah friday rain out and yeah they had the, the midweek show Let, i'm gonna be honest the midweek show sucked i mean there was no fans or i wasn't there i was only there for saturday but the midweek show, the track rubbered up. It was terrible. It was bone dry. And I'm like, oh, boy, I'm going down there to see this, right? The track was nothing like that. And Mother Nature helped out. They got some rain. Um, I'll give you some takes here. A couple things I noticed being at the facility. $100,000 to win single-day event. Okay, Bert? What do you suppose the ticket price was to get in the grandstands? Um, I'll say forty-five dollars. Twenty-five bucks. Wow. Twenty-five bucks. That's uh that's gotta be about the cheapest that I've seen to get into a one day hundred grand to win fifty-nine late models. We'll get into that fifty-nine bullshit. <laughs> so seventeen and under Bert free. Wow. That's a tip of the cap right there. That's that's you know that's smart business, right? Because tracks are struggling to get fans period you got to build the culture you got to get the kids there. you can't be whacking everybody i thought that was pretty cool well so, and the thing is it was sold out it was absolutely sold out <laughs> yeah it was definitely there wasn't a seat in the back straightaway it was jam-packed too and if I, if a person was forced to go to the back straightaway they probably stood all night long because there was there's was no seats back there left either now here's something that's interesting so my buddy Dan wanted to have a couple old bush lattes there, right? And 
and uh, big sign there said, "If you, if you want to drink alcohol, you you have to go in the pits." No, I'm starting to understand. I'm starting to get it right. Why is there so many fist fights in the south in the pit area? They're all shit faced. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm I'm like, what the hell? I mean, that that was crazy. So. So you, you know, so, I think there was people drinking in the grandstands. I think they kind of okay. snuck some around or whatever. But, but on a typical but basis, you're not supposed to drink in the grandstand. Wow. No, and that's that's in Talladega is the same thing at the at the Talladega well, Circle. Yeah, down in Tennessee, they have dry counties and and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, they have some different ways of thinking down there. Well, I'm gonna put it this way. So we're talking the hills of Tennessee. Right. I mean, it's literally just south of Mold Rocky Top. Right. So, I mean, it's 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 hilly everywhere. And me and dad were walking and we're like looking and we're like, I don't know if a person would want to get drunk because you die. Like just walking, you'd probably die or break your ankle or blow out your knee. I mean, it's there's massive hills everywhere down there. And it, so it's like, man, just getting from where we were parked, we had to go down in a valley. We we're parked at a truck stop about a half mile away. And I'm talking, it was a steep ascent to get into the facility. It's like, you get to the top of the deal. I get it. I'm kind of a fat kid. I got I to work on that, by the way. <laughs> but I was winded. It's like, my God. And you know how it's with steep hill, Bert? You kind of got to walk sideways up the hill because it's so steep. That's what you had to walk up to get into the place. So pretty crazy. So that we went there the night before because we were going to go Friday and Saturday. So we figured... You know what? Let's take a walk over to the track, and uh, we just figured we'd go check the place out, get some pictures, and uh, had a chance to talk to Barry Braun, the promoter. Sat down with him for the probably an hour, you know, and just talked about racing and talked about you know his kind of philosophies here. And and uh, he's like, you know what? I know a lot of people don't like me, and I don't really care. You know, he's like, I want to, you know, it's like I'm I'm gonna do my thing and. You know, I don't want to step on any toes. You learn, you you know, it's better to work with people. You know, he's kind of went through that deal a little bit. But um, then he talked a lot about Bloomquist. He's like, Scott kind of knows that the time has come. You know, his body's not there. So he's he put Scott on the mic and, you know, they had the round table deal. So that's kind of cool. But, you know, it's just kind of bringing up some old times. He actually, he did the Fuel the Thunder deal with the Coma Mod series and very videotaped me on that. I was one of the episodes and that was quite a few years ago but pretty fun and then we walked outside and there's a dude out there taking a picture of a girl and you know she's kind of modeling shirts and apparel and we look and it's it's fergie apparel right and we talked to another guy and he's like i don't remember his name he's the group chief for fergie and he's like well that's chris right there and well you couldn't see where back was faced and us is like oh no shit so me and dan i'm talking to fergie up there and, and his crew chief for I'm better part of a half hour, you know, so that was pretty cool. And kind of asked him, it's like, you had a good year last year. You know, that, that Bloomquist car was not slow, right? He was very, very stout. What prompted the change to get into a Longhorn? And he's like, if I wreck it, I got to be able to get it fixed and get another one, you know, and that's kind of the main thing because Scott's kind of, he's a little flighty let's just put it that way i mean if you we'll talk about that in a second but it, it sounds like the jigs and pieces he's like i i still i love the bloomquist cars but 
you know, I mean, pretty much everyone out there, including McDowell's, it sounds like they're all like four, five, six years old. Like he hasn't built cars in a while. So you got Dale McDowell whooping everybody's ass in like a five-year-old race car, right? So there is that too. But a super good guy. We had a chance to talk to his mom after BS and we had to go get some apparel as well. But uh, just a super down-to-earth guy, really fun. Had a great chance to talk to him. And then uh, we'll get to the racing in just a second. Bert, the banking, the banking of this place. More bank than Daytona. But here's the deal. You can't, you can't really tell that on video, right? I mean, you can tell it's banked, but you, I mean, I don't think there's, I, I, I literally went all around taking pictures, trying to get a vantage point. And I'm yeah. telling you what, it didn't do justice to how banked that place was. You, no, no matter what track it is, you can't, you can't get an appreciation for the banking at a track unless you're actually there. I mean, the first time I ever went to Eldora, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, trying to take pictures to capture the banking there. But yeah, I mean, none of the pictures I took, you know, really portray what the banking is like. <laughs> right. And, and that's another thing. You can't just walk up it. I mean, you could if somebody challenged you, but it's kind of like you sidestep up. I've never seen banking so steep in my entire life. It was insane. It's more than Daytona. And uh, 32 degrees of banking. And I'm looking at that, right? And I'm like, well, how the hell do you do track prep? I would have to think, I don't know how they water it. I mean, it rained, so they didn't really have to, and they didn't miss it between races. I was kind of hoping to be able to see the water truck deal go around well, the track. I would imagine they'd, they'd have to, they, the water truck would have to drive on the lower part, and they'd have to have a hose that blows it. They better there. go freaking fast because that water <laughs> runs down the hill and you'd be stuck against the wall on the bottom. I mean, I'm guess I'd like I'd be curious to see if anybody ever tried to go high with one of those water trucks and just rolled it down the hill. You know, I've seen that happen <laughs> on less bank racetracks. Um, crazy insane. Um, let's get to the racing, right? So heat races. Did you watch the heats or just the feature? I watched the heats and the features couple things in particular stuck out to me in the heat races okay three to be honest what what stuck out to you from the heat races um one was uh bobby pierce's comment uh after his heat race when he said uh there's no hard feelings with that other driver well of course there's no you don't have any hard feelings you're the one who put him in the wall well, I got a little different spin on that, Bert. So, what did what did you see? What did what was your take? Tell the fans from your perspective what happened. I actually I actually didn't see how it got started. I just saw uh, Pierce was on the inside, the other driver was on the outside, and uh, did you see cars... the start? Did you see the start of the race? I did. I don't remember anything out of the ordinary though. Bert, that was payback. <laughs> that was payback. On the start of the race, Mac McCarter had a quick hot rod. He started on P1, right? Bobby Pierce was outside pole, so he qualified quick. He had a brand new car, right? They come out of turn four. That dude literally turned straight right up the racetrack in front of Pierce, and Pierce had to like grab a whole bunch of brake in the middle of the front straightaway, or McCarter was fencing him down the front straightaway on the start. So about a lap in, Bobby Pierce was like, screw it. 
I'm Bobby Pierce. I throw haymaker sliders. Here comes one right rear quarter panel, and he land blasts him the wall. And then that guy played ping pong ball all the way to the back before his car yeah. was totally shit. I mean, shit was everywhere, and he pulled off. I mean, yeah, you're right. He's like, yeah, yeah, no hard feelings. It's like, I, I wonder <laughs> if there is. I'm not really. I wish I would have been in the pits there because that would have been interesting to see if uh, McCarter felt the same way. That was. Bobby Pierce doing Bobby Pierce things, but yeah, yeah. What else stuck out in the heat races? Um, that was the main thing that that stuck out to me. Well, in the fact that uh, Jonathan Davenport uh, looked absolutely horrible, <laughs> awful, awful. He got like basically last in the heat. I mean, he was so like non-competitive, and he was good. He got second there on that. Kyle Larson, I don't know what the hell he was. He qualified. No, he, well, he got he got third that night. But yeah, I mean, he third, was, oh yeah, yeah, Marlar got by him. Was it Marlar or McDowell? Got McDowell by him. got by him. Yeah, in that show. Yeah. Yep. Um, the other thing is, uh, Ricky Weiss was supposed to start P one. Oh yeah, that's he, right. That's right. And I I did a little digging. A buddy of mine, Joel, actually reached out, found out what happened. So he stripped out. It was like a the the power steering pump bolts on to the fuel pump and oil pump. It all bolts together. And, and it got stripped out. So where the drive is, it stripped it out. So I don't know what kind of pump situation he has, if he just lost power steering or if he lost power steering and fuel, but uh, that's what happened. So he wasn't able to make it out for the heat. Then he had to start it back to the B, charged up good, but just too little too late to get there and no provisional for him. So Ricky Weiss got to race a B main and watch the feature. So tough break for the, Manitoba missile. Um, the uh, other thing that they, out, how did they actually figure out the provisional? Because Superman got it. Yeah, so there was two provisionals, and they took twenty-two between the Heat and the B main. Twenty-third yep. starter was the top point guy from last year. There was okay. no point fun, but he was the top point guy. He won the points, right? Even though there's mm. no point fun, there is this year. And the second one was a fan. Was a draw. All the non-qualifiers in the hat. And they drew a name out. Now, I get it. Good for that guy that got it. I remember who it was, but I, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But maybe an idea for that would be to take like the top ten guys or whatever, you know, and put it in there. So that way, if somebody gets it, they actually have a legit chance to drive through the field. You know, I think. But I mean, it is what it is. So that, or I mean, another option. I mean, do what Eldora does, and you know the the four spots after the spots that qualify in the bees race in a last chance race, you know, for a spot, you know, something like that. Yeah. 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 Something different. They had time. They had time. So then intermission comes. Right. And I mean, well, first thing, Bert, I got there. Right. We'll talk about this in a second, but intermission comes and like nothing's happening. Right. Tracks black. There's some food on the bottom. There's a big monster cushion on top. I'm like, I look at Dan, I'm like, are they going to do anything to the track? I'm like, 100 lap feature, it's black, it's going to lock up for sure, right? They never touched it, the track never latched up at all. And that was one thing that was disappointing to me, because in the interviews after the Kyle Larson race, um, they were talking about how the drivers were mentioning in their interviews that... uh, it was possible for them to race the way they were racing because Vic Hill, he must have been uh, uh, preparing the track that night. Um, yep. 
you know, made sure to water the top side, made sure that, you know, there was a good cushion and a good lane up there uh, to create that sort of racing. So that, you know, as I'm watching the race, it's just like, I'm thinking, did Kyle Larson pay them more to prep that track than what, uh, no, than no. what was two, going on this year? Two things, yeah, two things there. First of all, the cushion was so high. There was, there was a, a tax strip probably two feet wide before the cushion. So if you hit it right, you could, I mean, launch. I watched, you'd watch cars come off at turn four. And if they hit it exactly right, they'd be going like 20 miles an hour faster than everybody else. So that lane was there. Kyle Larson carries his testicles in a hefty bag over his shoulder. <laughs> all right. There ain't nobody that night, that, that night you're talking about. Name me another driver of JD for a little while. Other than those two, nobody ran that group, right? It was Kyle. That, that was Kyle Larson and Kyle Larson and Kyle Larson. JD tried, but he couldn't hang, right? He just couldn't, not with, not in that situation. So that groove was there all night long, but it took some stones. Because that, okay. now the other thing is it kind of flattened out up there. So you could watch them in one or two, they'd rail it in and all of a sudden they get a little free. And then they kind of, they would kind of lose that drive coming off. They'd actually get up over the crest of the banking. If they got up, the cushion was so high that it was actually beyond the banking to the wall and kind of flattened out a little bit. Um, but, you know, you looked at it, right? I mean, when Marlar went to the top late in that race, you know, without maybe it was liver die by the cushion. If you, if he didn't jump the cushion, if they get in a lap traffic, I'm telling you right now, Dale McDowell does not win that race if they got to deal with lap traffic for an extended period of time. In clean air, he was flat out dominant. He stunk the race up. He just, every time there was a yellow, bam, he'd straight away up on four laps. He was gone. But once he got the lap traffic, Dale McDowell's not the guy going to charge the high side. If he got pinned down there below, you know, with some people, you had Huddy and Marlar carving on the high side. I thought maybe they were going to get by him. And then uh, the most, the, the person that I watched probably, especially through the middle part of the race, was Turbo. Did they show a lot of Turbo on on the screen? No, not that I recall. So Davenport got the hard charger. He was plus 15, 23rd to 8th. I don't think he freaking passed a card. Like he just kind of like attrition and maybe passed one. Turbo was plus 14 to fifth. So he actually did pass cars. He was carving, he was by far the most entertaining driver to watch. He was throwing sliders, banging the boards, working his way to the front, and then he kind of faded, faded yes. a little bit again. Toward, towards the end of the race, they did talk about him a little bit, you know, advancing up to the top five. Yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah. He was by far the show and we'll talk more about that in a minute but uh also they did all the car introductions and look down there there's jimmy owens now jimmy where was it last year that jimmy owens had a freaking tire fall off on time trials i don't remember maybe? i don't so know where like it that. was <laughs> but you remember it happening yeah yeah well let's just say that his crew guy had a torque wrench out on the front straightaway and they checked all the lugs during driver's introductions to make sure the tires were not falling off again. So uh, kudos to them not uh, allowing that to happen. And he ended up kind of having, where did he finish? Did he end up falling out at the end? I he's don't pretty think... sporty for a while. 
Yeah. But I think he faded at the end if if and yeah, I think he may have actually pulled off the track at the end once he got lapped. Right. So Dale McDowell, I would say, I mean, the car was so balanced, Bert. I mean, it was just driver on the car. I mean, it was that car was unbelievable. But uh, what else stuck out to you? Anything else? Any any other takes? What what takes do you have from the online perspective of this race? Um, I mean, from the race, you know, just I mean, just overall how bad Davenport looked. Um, and um, I mean, it, it's hard it's hard to believe that you can battle like he did with Larson on the exact you know, on the same track, it finished third in that race. That was a 50 lap race. Um, and then just be totally out to lunch, um, for this race. I mean, and it's not like it, it's not like it was just the feature. I mean, he was, he was just bad. He qualified bad. So he had to start like fifth, I think in his heat race, which, yep. you know, put him be, you know, put you behind the eight ball right away. And because that's not a track that's, necessarily easy to pass cars on and um and he was well and the announcers kept saying oh davenport's got to start charging and he said well he's not charging yet <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of the announcer bert you know that's something that where we sat there was the speakers just weren't very good um i was old scott bloomquist on the mic um, I actually didn't mind him. I thought I thought he did a decent job for somebody who you know doesn't do this do that all the time. Um, you know, he definitely didn't embarrass himself by any means. Yeah, and so, everybody I talked to said that he had some pretty good insight and he would explain mm -hmm. things. So you know, he's monotone, of course, but he's informative. So that, that I I'm gonna have to go back and maybe listen to the stream because I didn't get a chance to to really hear him there. And then he did the, so the night that it rained out and uh, during the day, or was it, they had two of them. The yeah, 12th and the Friday. I think 12th, the 12th and the 14th, they had them. Yeah. Yeah. They had the round table discussions. And so the, you get a chance to watch them. The first one was with him and Strickler and Turbo. I listened to the one with him and Strickler and, and Turbo. And I, you know, in that, in that one, you found out, um, um, the, well, nickname, let me ask you this, Bert. the, the, personal... the nickname that Tyler Herb gave Ricky Weiss. What, what is that? What's it? What's his, uh, what's his nickname there? Uh, Ricky Wiener. I, I, from, from listening to that Bert, I don't think he's very well liked. I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't know Ricky all that great myself, but. Man, and he's well, a northern guy, so I kind of cheer for him because he's one—he's a northern guy. But well, man, oh man, I mean, they—they they were digging on him pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely Herb was digging on him because they—they've had some on-track uh, altercations apparently. Um, but it's funny because uh, Bloomquist made a comment that I actually laughed out loud because they were talking <laughs> about race cars, and they said, "Well, you know, Rick Ricky had." A, Ricky's got a fast car, and then Bloomquist said something like, "Well, he had a, he used to have a faster one, or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I mean, a lot of shots fired there for sure. Probably learned a couple things we don't need to learn, right? I mean, 
from from rumor has it, if if you wear underwear, it's just because you don't yeah. wipe enough. That's what that's what Bloomquist said. I and I don't and need if, to know. Don't need to tell us if you do. That's too much information. But and if and apparently, if you go to Australia, you're supposed to take ecstasy. Even though he said for like the last decade, like, oh no, no, there ain't been no drugs, none of that <laughs> stuff. Well, the partying is better if you take that. It's hard to tell if the guy's serious or not, you know. But yeah, yeah probably. Well, then, well, then they were talking about Chris Madden. Did you catch that? I, I did. And, but go ahead. And uh, Lundquist said, "Yeah, Madden's never done anything wrong." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's. I tell you what, that's good for the sport to have somebody that's not afraid to ruffle some feathers like that. You know, it's. It's definitely interesting, and he's very polarizing. But everybody, I think he got everybody's attention. You know, people, you know, I, that could be the next chapter. That's not something you really seen a lot in dirt racing, where the top talent they they kind of when they're done they get into the broadcast booth. This is kind of, from what I can remember, really the first stint of that. You know, and and really, you know, the national scene for late model racing and so on. I mean, it's, we're just getting to the point now where a lot of that old guard is transitioning, right? You know, there's, there's been a few in the last maybe handful of years, but um, you see Steve Francis, of course, a race director with the World of Outlaws, you know, so you, you see people taking some of these top drivers taking different roles. Who's a driver out there, Bert, that you're like, I can see them hanging up the steering wheel soon and taking like a management type role with a series or an announcer. Who's somebody that you can see doing that? Um, I can't see Billy Moyer doing it, doing announcing. No, but could you, but would you have ever been able to say, would you have said five years well, ago, I can see Scott Lupa no, doing it? No, not really. You know, so... <laughs> So I, I guess I guess time will tell, but kind of cool, right? Kind of cool that they're kind of being able to transition into that next chapter. Yeah. But you know, hats well, off to I, Dale McCall. So I do have I do have two more comments to comment on. Um, I mean, got? we all know that Bloomquist is you know he's going through physical um, uh, things that are limiting his racing, and we all know that. Uh, let's just say Bloomquist has lived his best life. He always lives his best life. Let's, right. let's put it that right. way. But, uh, you know, they were talking about things that you do and stuff. And Bloomquist said that, you know, I'm not taking my body with me, so I'm going to burn it down. So, I mean, <laughs> that's, <laughs> you know, well, and he is the definitely aliens will fix them right up. The he has definitely lived that fixing. lifestyle. And then, uh, and this, this comment, um, uh, because you've been you've been saying this for a while now on this TV show. I mean, they brought up tires, and Tyler Herb said it. Kyle Strickler said it. There was never any tire shortage, according to them. Correct. <laughs> yeah, not for them, not for them. Yeah. But hey, but hey, we better watch out for Hoosiers back and take good care of the good old mighty Hoosier because. Because we don't need that business going out of business because what would us poor racers do, right? Well, I, like, like you just said, they did not have a problem getting tires. So the fact is, Hoosier, 
corporate, not Hoosier Tire North. Get, let's get this. Let's get this straight. They're just the distributor. This is Hoosier Corporate. Hoosier Corporate flat out created that whole mess with with soda. Plain and simple, in my opinion. Take it for what it's worth, and I don't care if you disagree. But with soda drivers pay less for their tires because of a contract, therein lies the problem. Right? It's common sense. It's business. It's the way the world works. If anybody thinks different, God bless you. We'll just agree to disagree. But you heard it right there from three prominent drivers that there wasn't no shortage. I mean, it just, uh, there you go. Okay, you jump on the podcast, listen to it for yourself, and you, know, you can just shake your head till, till it falls off your shoulders, all right? So, but thanks for pointing that out. I'm glad you did. So, a couple great questions from fans. And we had a bunch come in, but didn't, I don't know, we just don't have time to pick them all. But these ones kind of pertained to this event, so to speak, right? But first, a shout out to buyracers.com. So racers, tracks, promoters, series promoters, businesses. If you need apparel, you need hats, t-shirts, hoodies, any of the above, jackets, right? Go to buyracers.com. Just because it says buyracerch.com, they do all kinds of apparel there, right? They get they'll get what you need. For racers, buy racers, check them out. They got a lot of great products. They got a, a huge selection of, of what you need. Great pricing there. And uh Jordan does a great job, him and his whole crew. Buyracerch.com. So John commented, buddy of mine reached out to me, uh, you know, because he knew I was down there and he said, you know, after watching, I'll read this. He goes, after watching the Spring Thaw Late Model Race at Bulls Gap Online, I'm going to give it a grade of a D plus. I'm like, D plus? I'm like, wait, what? So I talked to my buddy Dan. He's like, shit, I'd give it an A, a minus at the worst, but I'd probably give it an A. And I'm like, well, I'll give it a B plus, right? Because there wasn't much of a battle for the lead, you know, so that, that kind of knocks it down a notch. And then he says, well, just how different, and it's kind of a, he kind of knows the answer, right? But he says, just how different is it being at an event in person versus watching the race online, right? Because we hear people say all the time, oh, man, streaming is killing racing. Is it? Right? Because it's not the same thing, right? There's certain aspects you get watching online, and there's certain aspects you get being there. So let's talk about what are some of the key differences, Bert? Did you make a little bit of a list? Like what are some of the, the main differences? Maybe some things on like where is it better to be there live? Where is it better to be, you know, watching it online? You know, what comes to mind? If, if I had to ask you this, if I said, Bert, I want you to name me a handful of things that it's flat out way better being there in person than just watching this event online. I mean, obviously being in being there in person, you have the actual, you can actually hear the engines running. Um, you can uh, uh, smell the race fuel, um, smell all, you know, all, you know, the burgers cooking, uh, you know, all of that stuff. You know, you, you get the, uh, the hearing, uh, smelling, and, and I've talked about the, I talked about this right. a lot on the show um, is when you're watching a stream, you're restricted to where the camera is focused. You can't watch other stuff going on in the race. Now, 
I didn't think it was watching it streaming. I didn't think it was that great of a race. I mean, they didn't show. What would you grade it? What would you have graded it? Um, probably like a C plus. The Nick Avalink grade, as you would say, right? right. <laughs> um, probably like a C plus, um, maybe a B minus, but you know, it just there wasn't a lot of passing shown on TV. Every time it kind of got interesting, you know, when the cars had caught the tail end and they had to start working through traffic, a caution would come out. Where if you're there in person, I mean, you mentioned Tyler Herb, so I'm assuming you were watching Herb for a good portion of that race. Fifty laps, probably fifty yeah. laps. I watched them. Yeah. So you know, we weren't. I don't want to say allowed, but we weren't able to watch that because the camera wasn't focused on that. Right. Well, he was deeper in the field. Right. right? And <laughs> I know, and which... I'm not bl- I'm not blaming the production right. or the cameraman or anything. I mean, that's what they have to show the front running cars. I mean, and that's the it, same with all streaming platforms. Right. No matter which one it is, they're going to be showing the guy 18. You know, they're. I mean, that's, the... I mean, they do that on NASCAR broadcasts. I mean, for sure, they, they, for they sure. show the they show the front running cars, and a few times throughout the race, they'll kind of go through the field and show what's going on. Absolutely. You know, in, in the sights, right? Because there's different. So you, you talked about the smells and the sounds, but then all the unique sights, right? Like they might have glanced a little bit with the camera, but when you're sitting there, you're like, oh my God, like what an amazing view, right? I mean, you're up in the mountains in Tennessee and, you know, all the hills and you're just looking at everything and it's like, wow, this is, you, you don't well, get that online. That and. Also, you don't get the reaction of the fans when a pass is made or, you know, somebody is charging through the field. Um, you know, you know, the fans get up off their off their seat when something exciting happens. You know, you don't you don't get that aspect of the race if you're watching the stream of it. Yeah, the energy side of it, for sure. I mean, you know, cheering for somebody. Bert, you should hear that place. Boo, Chris Madden. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man. They don't. I mean, he, he got cheers, too. But as many as many cheers as he got, he got a lot of booze. I'm like, wow, he's not very well, uh, very well liked. You know, and then track food. I mean, that can be on the good side or the bad side. Right. But but a lot of racetracks have some unique stuff. They had really good barbecue there. I thought it was great to talk about that negative side in just a second. But um being able to go down in the pits after the races or walk down in the infield, walk out on the track and be like, really be like, wow, I mean, look at this place. Cause perspective, I mean, on the screen, you can't tell that that thing's banked 32 uh-huh. degrees. I mean, I mean, I, when I saw tracks like that in Taswell online, you can tell that they're banked more than a normal, you know, than a lot of tracks. But when you get there, you're like, are you shitting me? Like, this is unbelievable. Like, you can't, how would you even do a parade lap on this thing without just sliding down the racetrack? I mean, it's Cedar Lake in three and four and one, you know, well, one and two was banked more, but Cedar Lake back in the day when we had the Packbird, I can't tell you how many cars they go too slow and slide down the racetrack. Yeah. And that's like a third of the banking of this place. It's not even close. Um, uh-huh. I want the sense of speed, right? You can't really right. tell that on a camera. When they come off the high side and hit that, like Jimmy Owens hit it a few times coming off of four, it's like, holy shit. 
that is wicked fast. Yeah, I mean, in person, I don't mind watching qualifying if I'm there in person because you you get that sense of speed and that sort of thing. But watching qualifying on on the stream, I I have no interest. I mean, actually, I started watching it and I sent a text to the other guys in our group. Let me know when the heat races start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we got her, we got her. You know, and then outer car introductions are way better in person than they are on the stream. You got the drivers literally all right there in front of you. If you're a big fan, you all the unique sites. We talked about that. The overall culture. I mean, there there's a lot of things you get being there that you don't. Now on the streaming side, Bert, let's flip over to that because it's not. Trust me, I I'm not anti-streaming. I watch probably more races than about anybody online, or more than most. Well, for sure. I mean, we get. <laughs> Because of streaming, we get to watch a lot of races that we would never get to see otherwise. I mean, sure. we wouldn't we wouldn't be going there in person just because it's too far away and and yep. that sort of thing. Correct. So you know that's one thing. You know the travel, right? You don't have to travel all the way across the country to be like, oh man, you know they're racing at Talladega this weekend. Well, see, by the time I get off work, it's only like I don't know fourteen hours. Not that that's just not going to happen. And then if it does, it's about time you get halfway there and then you got to worry about the weather. You got to worry about yeah. any of that on the screen, right? Um, Jeff Jeff told me, he goes, the seats are a hell of a lot more comfortable at home than they are at most racetracks. True. <clears throat> True. Um, you know, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Bob, who helped her, he, he helped go turbo a little bit this week. Uh, me and Dan sat with him. He actually had some cushions there. So tip of the cap to Bob there for having uh, – some cushions for us to sit on so that was that was nice of him you were gonna say um you don't have to worry about parking at the racetrack oh my god there was i mean it, there was so many people there that they were parked like three quarters of a mile away i mean it was insane like the truck stop we we're parked at about a half mile away at the truck stop and it was there was a bunch of paid parking Cars were literally just pulling in anywhere they could stop, and the lady in the gas station was so pissed. She's like, <laughs> I am literally going to have all these vehicles pulled. I'm like, you're going to be busy. <laughs> like, well, where are you parked? I said, we rented that one right over there. She goes, okay, you're good then. She goes, but all these <laughs> other people, they towed some. Some of them some of them got towed from you know different spots and all that, but there was no place to park. It was crazy. Speaking of no place to park, the lines, right? I mean, you get to a big event like this, you got the bathroom line, and then let's just be honest: when you got five thousand people there, right? What does the bathrooms look like when you're done, right? Because most of them don't have somebody to clean them. And then the food line, Bert. I got in line at the concession, right, before time trials started. Maybe they had one car in, right, for time trials. I literally did not get to my seat until after heat one wow <laughs> it was and i mean i get it they're they're not equipped or even whatever to deal with that many people but that don't happen at home you know that that don't that don't happen at home so yeah i i think that culture all the people watching makes it better so there's a lot of differences but one more question that pertains to that to kind of elaborate from dave when are when are promote because you got you gave it a C C plus, John gave it a D plus. Well, I give it A minus B plus because I was there. 
not probably not because of the racing. I might knock it down a titch because of the racing, but then I bring it right back up because of the energy and the environment and the culture and all that stuff. So when will promoters realize that hosting a race is more than just a race? See, the race isn't the thing. Most promoters are racers. They're like, well, what do you mean it ain't the thing? We're, we're, we're hosting a race. No, you're hosting an event. A race is a part of that event. If that's the only thing, well, then why the hell go? We'll just watch it online. You got to have that culture, great concession, good announcer. You got all that stuff is what makes it an event. And I get it. Promoters are busy. Most of them, Bert, let's be honest. I mean, can you name me three different racetracks that are ran by somebody that all they do is run that racetrack? Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't happen very often. No, most of them are business owners, employees, right? So they're doing other things in the race. And that's why that's why there's such a lack of promoting because they're doing everything that they can to pay their bills and then they also run the racetrack. So I get it. It's a tough gig. But I'm telling you, there's a, there's a lot more that needs to be done on the promoting side to keep weekly racing strong. So um, Dave, the answer, when will they realize? Hopefully sooner rather than later. Let's just go with that. So Bert, let's jump on over to Eastern Wisconsin. Fans fast. Take two. Yep. Uh, Shano Speedway. Uh, well, Shano Speedway was supposed to open this last weekend, but uh, uh, since they weren't able to get on the track until like three days before that, um, obviously that got uh, postponed to uh, the 22nd of April, which as of today, which is we're recording this on Monday, they've already uh, post, they've already canceled this upcoming Saturday's show just because it, it's supposed to be rainy all week and low temperature. I think the highs on Saturday are supposed to be mid forties around here. And so, so they just, they just pulled the plug already. Uh, but anyway, they held fan fest. It was, uh, it was held in a Crawford building, which is just uh, behind turn two at, on the fairgrounds prop. Well, technically I don't think it's fairgrounds property, but uh, um, it was 85 degrees up on saturday here and uh but uh, yeah there were probably i would say 25 to 30 race cars on display uh there uh some of the the two local go-kart tracks uh had some go-karts on display um some kids that race um um off-road vehicles uh side-by-side off-road vehicles uh they had those on display and uh i I was set up, had some die casts on display and um, had some full throttle magazines available. So it was just a good time to uh, talk racing with people, uh, uh, to look at uh, race cars. There was a steady flow of, tra- of, tra- of people through the event. So, I mean, I talked to Brad after the show and, you know, he was uh, um, happy with it and already has ideas on how to make it better next year and to me that's the key about any event is you start you start at a point and then you improve it every year you don't go backwards you just keep moving forward you don't have to start at the top you start at a, at a level and keep moving towards the top and uh so overall it, it, it was a 
good event. And uh, um, I, this was kind of funny because I did have a fan stop to talk to me and he asked me, what do we have to do to get those Western late models to come travel here? <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it's not just me asking that question. The fans in Eastern Wisconsin want to see those drivers, the Western, Western Wisconsin drivers race in Eastern Wisconsin on occasion. I mean, he even asked me if, you know, if doing a fans fund type deal, you know, paying the drivers to show up if that would get them to come here and um he and he actually suggested a, a co-promoted show between wasota and dirt kings which i've been saying for how long uh, i don't think it'll ever happen but um i guess we can hope <laughs> never say never now most uh, you know are most of the late models over there still running a wasota legal type engine um, I, I would say most of the late models, well, I sh maybe I shouldn't say most, I would say some of the late models would be with soda legal. Um, I, I, I think that they just need to get back to being soda is what they need to do. Now, what, whether that means that they got to kind of get flexible with the rules to make the rules change and with soda's end of it, that, that's fine. But, you know, having one big sanction where they're all involved. Boy, that that just made the postseason that much more fun. When oh you yeah, the cars coming over and competing, and and uh, the problem is, Bert, they don't have at the end of the year. Well, I mean, first of all, they have Shano, and Plymouth is only running a handful of shows, and really that's right. it, right? So they used to have more right. late model shows, but they don't really have like an end of the year invitational type no. deal or anything like that. So no, no, I probably. <laughs> Probably the closest thing to an end of the, I mean, Shano has tried to do end of the year specials, um, but with high school football on Friday nights, um, it just um, doesn't, it, Shano fans kind of have a mentality of uh, you race until Labor Day and then the season's over, you know, for, um, that's just traditionally how it, how it has been. They don't um, have football in Wisconsin, do they? <laughs> uh, they don't have it Not anymore. <laughs> um, but probably the closest thing to year-end invitational was when uh, Lang Lake County Speedway in Anigo was still running, and they had the um, the Midsummer Indian Classic or, or something to that effect, and that was a two-day show, and they got a slew of cars that would show up for that for that right. event. That was always held the first weekend in October, I believe. And they so. used to have talent series shows over there for a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah, there were, yeah. so. Every, every race fan, that's one thing, right, that race fans all have in common is they want a few shows a year where they have people coming in from out of town right. to race against their guys. However that has to happen, it needs to happen. So mm -hmm. promoters, series directors, whoever, come on. Make that happen. So that's a good point. Anything else over there from uh, Fans Fest, Bert? Um, no, not from Fans Fest. Not from Fans Fest. Just uh, overall, I mean, I think it was a, a really good event. Awesome. Glad to hear it. So let's jump into our top five moments of the week. Brought to you by the Daytona One Performance Lubricants. We talked tires just a little bit ago. What them guys probably weren't going to tell you is every one of them guys knows a little bit about 
tire treatments. We know Scott Bloomquist knows about tire treatments. Might not know about the Tone of One performance. Lubricants, it's not a softener. It's a tire treatment, right? Racing Burt, even if you can get tires, even if the shortage is done and you can get all the tires, your local weekly racer cannot afford to be spending that kind of money for that you know, weekly purse every single week on tires. They can't. They have to make their tires last just a little bit longer. If that's one night longer, great. If that's two or three nights longer, even better. If there was a product out there that you could apply to your tires that's going to make an old tire competitive with everybody's brand new tires that they're running, would it be worth it? Would it be worth at least getting educated on it to learn a little bit about it? Well, that's what Chad's offering. First of all, if you just want to get the product, Dirt Track Supply, TRE, they have that product on hand. They can get what you need. If you want to learn about it, give Chad a call, 507-828-3536. Give him a call, and he'll get you educated on what these products are and what these products are not. Now, they have more products for it, not just for tires, but anything that requires lubrication, right, they, can, they have those products in stock. Because the gentleman that actually founded this company, he's in the Hall of Fame for lubricants at NASA. So the guy knows what he's doing. Um, give Chad a call, get some, get some information, see if it'll help you and your race program keep money in your pocket. So, Bert, number five, Josh Rice. Surprise, surprise, stays red hot at Florence. Um, back-to-back years winning the spring uh, the spring 50. I'm a little pissed, right? Because back when you kind of did your bold prediction, oh, he's going to win. I'm like, Bobby Pierce going to whoop his ass. Bobby <laughs> Pierce was not there. He, he got to race against all the locals. It wasn't a fair fight. He brought a well, gun. Everybody else brought a knife. I, I was going to watch the highlights of the race, and I saw it. I started, I saw he was, Rice was starting on the front row. It's like, yeah, I don't, I think I can just fast forward through this. <laughs> I, the question is, did he lap the field? I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I don't number, know the answer to that either. <laughs> number four, Lucas Oil MLRA action over at Davenport. The Moequa missile Shannon Babb capitalizes on B. Shep's misfortune. Shepard should have won that race. Flat tire. Oh, is that ran, what happened? Yeah, he ran over. Sounds like he ran over some debris or something on a, on a yellow. Cut a tire down. I think he probably had that one in hand. He needed it, too. He was like, Shepard was like literally the only top, top tier guy. I mean, Shannon Babb, you know, what it figures. But B. Shep is kind of that high caliber guy that wasn't down at uh, Bulls Gap. Uh-huh. And it sounded like he was going to try to make it down there, but it was just too far to drive to Davenport. It just wasn't going to happen. But but uh, Shannon Babb getting her done there, getting a big win. Um, did you get a chance to watch that race? Or? Uh, I just uh, saw bits and pieces of it. Okay. Okay. Number three. Do you Are you on your phone or are you on computer? I'm on my phone. Okay. I don't. I don't know why I didn't write down where, but all-star sprint car action number three, Pennsylvania posse member Brent Marksbert won from 20th. That's impressive. Yeah, that's I impressive. Feel like it, I feel like it was Lincoln Speedway up there, but I'm not positive. Um, I'll have to look at the all-star schedule. But Brent Marks won some freaking big ones last year, and uh, 
went on to get one done from 20th there. Uh, boy, the people in the grandstands, unlike uh, Bulls Gap, right, where it was one from the pole, this one from 20th, them are the, them are the kind of races that get that A-plus grade. Them are the ones that we like there. Number two, did you watch any World of Outlaw Sprint Car action, Bert? Uh, yeah, I, w- I watched the highlights of, of the feature. I, I saw I saw the incident. Talk about number two. Um, well, what was cool was throughout the first part of the race, it was the top three in points battling it out, Gravel, Sweet, and Mar- and Macedo. And um, at one point, uh, it was in turns three and four, Gravel, I believe, was on the outside and Macedo was on the inside. And uh, they both, uh, uh, they made tire-to-tire contact and Gravel spun out. Well, he spun around, but he he kept going. He never came to a stop, uh, but he got a flat tire in the incident. So he had to pit to change the tire. And Macedo got, you know, he stayed in his spot. Um, When I saw it, I went back and, you know, rewound it and watched it again. And I think Macedo went up into him, but... Kind of before they made contact, gravel kind of came down a little bit, and you know. I don't know. It was just kind of a racing deal. Yeah, I would agree. I, when I initially saw it, I'm like, Macedo just blasted him. But then when I watched the replays myself, gravel kind of he he did something with the lap car and kind of broke his broke his momentum, and then he right. buried it in there, and then he kind of hit the marbles and kind of wound it up to point. Yep. He wasn't going to spin out, but I don't think Macedo expected him to be able to park there. Right. And, uh, but them are the top two contenders to dethrone the big cat, Brad Sweet. Well, Brad Sweet inherits a lead, goes on to win, and he's got to be sitting there going, oh, you guys go ahead and do your thing. I'll just, I'll wait over here in victory lane. Mm-hmm. That's why he has four straight World of Outlaw champions. You don't see Brad Sweet get in too much trouble. He's pretty smart behind the wheel. Right. And number one, especially if you're a dirt late model fan, the old Mac Daddy himself cashes in at the gap. Bert, there's only five 100,000 to win late model races this year, and he took home the first one. And that's one of our guys, yeah, right? If you think Wisconsin, Shane McDowell's married to a cook. The Cook family rests in Cedar Lake. So, I mean, he's, he's one of us. Dale McDowell, one of us. So, <laughs> great to see old Dale McDowell parking in Victory Lane. Big, big payday for him. Went to the gas station. I was parked that up afterwards. Wait, that had to be like midnight, 1230 or whatever. I walk in the gas station because I wanted to get a shower at a truck stop. And next thing you know, a vehicle pulls up to the front. And guy walks back to the cooler and he comes back carrying like every case of beer that they had left in the place. And he sat it on the counter and she's like, she kind of looked at him. She's like, yeah, we're going back to the shop. We got a little partying to do. And I'm like, McDowell? He goes, yeah, we I pit for McDowell. And then there was another guy there that was probably didn't need to be served. He's like, well, what if I wanted one of them cases? He's like, I guess that's too bad. I'm taking these ones. <laughs> like, And I'm like, wow, that's kind of bold. But yeah, I, I was in there. And so I think they're probably, uh, they had a little fun. They had a little fun, I think, afterwards at the doll shop. So you can't drink in the sta- in the grandstand at the racetrack, but you can buy beer at a gas station at midnight. <laughs> Correct. That, and, that and, is I, I don't know. I don't know what the rule is in Minnesota, but in Wisconsin, nine o'clock, 
you can't buy beer after nine o'clock. I think it's. From, I, I guess I don't even know. I think it's like ten. Maybe it's ten, nine or ten. But yeah, it's. I, I was surprised. Needless to say. <laughs> so Bert, let's jump on to our weekly pickums. Our standings here right now. Jeff's at forty-one, probably still pencil pencil whipping us here. Kurt's at thirty-nine. I'm at thirty-eight. Mike's at thirty-seven. Kent is at thirty-four, I believe. Um, I, I don't know if he's at thirty-three or thirty-four. I got thirty-four. Bert and Dan are at 32, Brad's at 29, and not so hot Carl is at 18. So a lot of races this week, Bert. There's going to be yes. some movement. There's going to be some movement. Um, Castro Flow Racing Night in America, Tuesday at Eldora. When, it's Monday night right now. We're actually videoing this Monday night. Oh, it's, I don't know if it'll air Tuesday or Wednesday, but we're videoing it Monday. So Tuesday at Eldora, Wednesday at Brownstown. I'd say flip a coin on those races. Castro races, like half of them rain out. It's just kind of what happens. Hopefully they don't. World of Outlaw Late Models, uh, Thursday at the 4-1-1. And then Friday, Saturday, 50 grand a win bird Saturday at the Talladega Short Track. Lucas Oil Dirt Late Models, Friday at Tri-City, Saturday at Macon. Now, here's a question for you. Bobby Pierce following the World of Outlaws to Lucas races right in his backyard. Do you think he's kind of regretting that decision? Like, I know he's not opposed to racing for 50 grand, but do you think he's going, man, I'm good at making it? He's, he's good well, at I mean, trying Yeah, there, there's going to be portions of the season where he's going to, you know, wish that he was just bopping around racing at whatever race he wants to race at. Well, the surprising thing to me is um, Brandon Shepard's going to race with the Outlaws this weekend, according to his schedule. I think I did see that. I think I did. Which because I was going to pick Shepard to win Macon, but then I looked at his schedule and I thought, really, he he's not going to race. Fifty thousand, right? Final, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So th there is that. So if if there's a race that can turn it around for you, is a win in a fifty grand to win one. And so I'd, I'd like to see B. Shep Park in victory, and that'd be good. World of Outlaw Sprint Cars Friday, Saturday at the big half mile at Knoxville. And then USMTS Modifieds Thursday, Friday, Saturday at 81 Speedway. Now, let's jump into the last lap, Bert, uh, brought to you uh, by Impact Health Sharing. Kind of need to speed a little bit ago when we did the uh, the uh, um, glass to the pass. So we'll skip past that. But the question I have is this. Will Mother Nature stay undefeated locally this weekend? A lot of Wissota races, Cedar Lake, a lot of stuff scheduled to open Mississippi's thunder already canceled is there any chance that a track in like the Wasota region eastern Wisconsin you know I mean you got Beaver Dam some of them but do you think I mean do you think there's going to be some tracks opening up maybe that haven't yet or do you think Mother Nature's going to win this um the only one in eastern Wisconsin that I mean 141 Speedway I mean, actually, none of the other tracks in eastern Wisconsin are scheduled to open it until May. That actually is their their opener, except for, you know, Shauna was supposed to open last weekend. 141 was supposed to open last weekend, but they canceled. Uh, Beaver Dam, like I said, they have two shows in. Um, you know, Shauna's already canceled for this upcoming weekend, so 141 Speedway would be the only one out there that... Um, you know, there's a question mark, but like I said, the weather throughout the, this entire week is not, 
the forecast isn't good and the forecast isn't good for Saturday either. Um, right. I mean, the, with Sean canceling and the bad forecast, um, a friend and I were actually making plans to go to Milwaukee to a Brewers game. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, knock on wood. I'd like to see some racing, but I guess it is what it is. If we got to wait one more week or a couple more weeks, you know, that, there's a lot of guys ain't quite ready yet. So there, there is mm-hmm. that. So speaking of Beaver Dam, Bert, you said a little bit of news from over in Beaver Dam over there. What, what, what's going on? Yeah, Beaver Dam had a practice uh, last Monday, a week ago, um, and um, uh, Mitch McGrath, uh, he posted, well, um, his racing Facebook page, there's a picture of the car, his late model car at the practice, and uh, with something to the effect of, you know, shaking the rust off uh, for this upcoming race season, because he didn't race at all last year, so... uh, He's going to be racing this summer, though, so it'll it'll be good to see another late model out there. I'm not sure what his schedule is going to be, where he plans on racing, but uh, just good to see another late model out there. Is he the one that monster trucked everybody at that one? Yes. Is, yes. It, so got like, is his new body like Grave Digger, <laughs> Bigfoot? What? Is he uh, like no. the Vince McMahon of late model racing? He's, I tell you what, he's exciting. He's exciting. Yep. We'll give him he, that. He's exciting. He, he is an aggressive driver. Uh, let's so put it that fun, way. fun to watch. Let's put it yes. that way. Yeah. So speaking of fun to watch, uh, um, did an interview here a few weeks back with Rick Eggersdorf uh, getting inducted into the National Dirt Late Model Hall of Fame um, at the North South 100 later on this summer. And that is up. If you haven't seen it, it's on our YouTube channel. So be sure to jump over to YouTube. We, we'd like to transition everything over to YouTube. Um, but we haven't quite yet, but jump over to YouTube, part one, part two um, of the Rick Eggersdorf interview. Hope you enjoy it. I had a heck of a fun time. But speaking of interviews, um, you sent me a little a little blurb here last week. Uh, they Somebody sat down and visited with Kyle Busch a little bit. Yeah, they uh, um, the media met with Kyle Busch, and this was, yeah, like a week and a half ago because uh, – Denny Hamlin had appealed his penalty with NASCAR from when uh, he took out, uh, who did he take out? Uh, Ross Chastain. And, um, and Denny, Denny Hamlin, apparent, according to Kyle Busch brought up like 30 examples of drivers spinning up drivers out, you know, as, as his defense and they didn't get penalized for spinning them out. But uh, he, uh, he lost his appeal. So the media, you know, they had a lot of questions for Kyle Bush. And um, I was a little surprised that Bush made the comment, but, you know, he said that, you know, NASCAR should just go to the fault rule where if you spin somebody out, whoever's at fault, they go to the back. He goes, that's what they, that's what they do in my son's racing. And they're seven to 10 years old. So if the seven to 10 year olds can do it, I think the 20 to, to 40 year olds can do it. I am slowly but surely becoming a Kyle Busch fan. <laughs> I, I was all smiles when he said that. He's like, whoever crashed, they're already going to the back, but whoever caused it needs to be going to the back. Like, how are we not penalizing people? We do in the kids' go-kart racing, on, 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 and weekly stuff does it everywhere, most everywhere also. So I was, I was grinning ear to ear when he said <laughs> that. So Kyle Busch, plus uh, he's a dirt guy. Speaking of dirt guys, Bert, four straight NASCAR Cup wins 
or dirt driver. Kyle Kyle uh, Larson got it done. Yep. So that, that's just uh, well. There. And speaking of NASCAR, I mean, just because this is local, uh, uh, Tommy Jeske got another top ten finish in the Truck Series, and Derek Krause got another top ten in the Xfinity Series. So he's raced in two Xfinity Xfinity races and finished in the top ten both races. That, that's good. We we need more Midwestern guys uh, parking it, you know, towards the front of the pack here. I think. Uh, what do you think? Before the end of the season, can one of them park in Victory Lane? I, w- I, if I were a betting man, I would say Majeski will be in Victory Lane before the end of the year. Um, I'm not sure how many races Krause has in that car, but I mean, if he keeps piling up top tens, you know chances are he'll he'll be in the car more often if he wasn't planning if if they weren't planning for him to be in there right that's great to see so let's jump into our final segment here three bold predictions Bert you had a big week you had a big week get four <laughs> come off the board four four I think you cheat but whatever so Josh Rice right when this is from weeks ago when it was supposed to be more than just locals there Josh Rice wins the spring 50. They should have just canceled that damn thing. But <laughs> he did, and you got it right. Shano delays the opener. All right. Fair enough. Hey, you got that one right. Well, Weston, was, I predicted that like at least a month before. It was. It was. <laughs> it was early. It was early. Less than 60 cars at Bulls Gap. <laughs> did you did you call? Did you call Johnny Scott and say, Leave your shit box home, right? Go. We're gonna just watch Stormy. Because no, but it's, are, d- during quali- during qualifying, I went to my race pass to see how many cars were there. It's like fifty nine. Okay, I wonder if everybody's signed in yet. So then <laughs> I go back there a little later. It's still at fifty nine. <laughs> Unreal. It, it don't get any closer than that. That that's incredible. <laughs> and uh, then you said on the show last week. Mike Mullen will be the first Wisconsin driver to win a modified A main. I, I think you cheated because, like, what by the time we got done with the show, it was already posted that he won. I'll give. <laughs> I, I I don't see you cheating, but like, I don't no, know. I mean, from 10th. well, from well, 10th. well, that that's the thing. I mean, I knew what the lineup was before I made that prediction, but he was starting tenth, so I thought, well, that's still a bold prediction. He's starting tenth, right? 10th. Right. <laughs> Right, yeah, he got her done. I only had one even come off the board. I said old Brad Sweet was going to win at I-55. Thank you, Carson Macedo and David Gravel, for giving that one away so I could at least get a point out of that. So I think this is just going to, instead of the three-bold prediction, this is the three-bold, like, this Burt's going to keep kicking Ryan's ass segment is what it is. So I have 13 correct, 27 incorrect, 13 on the board, and my batting average is 32.5. You have 22 correct, 21 incorrect, and uh, 13 on the board, 51.2. You are absolutely whooping my tail. So we're going to take our three picks. I need, I need to do a little catching up here. We're going we're gonna to see what we can make happen. So three picks we, that we make each week. And they have to be something that it either did or did not happen, not an opinion-based deal. Age before beauty. Um, Chris Smokey Madden will go two for two in World of Outlaw races this weekend. Okay, so that would be not the prelim night. That's, okay. 
So he'll win. He'll win at the four, at four eleven and, and the fifty grand to win yeah. in Talladega. Good enough. Good enough. TP seventy five Terry Phillips is going to win at least one at eighty one Speedway in USMTS modified action this weekend. Well, okay. Well, I'm staying with USMTS and. Uh, Jason Hughes will win at least one feature. Of He's the point two. leader. He's the point leader. <laughs> All right. Jason Hughes is going to win at least one. All right. All right. I'm going to go with this. One of the World of Outlaw Sprint Car wins this weekend at Knoxville. Okay. This is assuming it happens, right? So one of the World of Outlaw Sprint Car wins at Knoxville this weekend will go to a driver that gets their first World of Outlaw Sprint Car win of the 2023 season. Okay. I am going to, for my third one, go with um, Johnny the Hitman Whitman will win the IMCA Modified Feature Opening Night at Shano Speedway. All right. So you said that Nick Anvilink was going to win the opening night in the late model. Right? Yep. So I'm going to go ahead and I will stick with the Nick Anvilink prediction then. If he follows the Dirt Kings tour, he will be the champion. <laughs> Is that a bold prediction? That's about as bold as him winning the freaking opener at Shano. That's, a, that's, about, that's about the same right there. If you're going to take some low-lying fruit, I'm going to take some. No, no offense to anybody else over in that area, but to be the man, you got to beat the man. Yep, so, yep. shout out to all the sponsors, and we're going to include in that Dirt Race Central and, of course, Mason Aaron's videos for all the editing, and they do a great job, and a huge shout out to him for helping with that Rick Eggersdorf interview. So, um, he does a lot for the sport behind the scenes, but uh, check out his stuff, Mason Aaron's videos. But, uh, Bert, 173 in the book, 174 coming up next week. Fans, as always, shoot us over feedback, questions, if you have a favorite 174 or 74 driver, shoot over some pictures and some stories. We'd love to have them. But as always, I'm Ryan Eagle. That is the Burt Lehman. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go show. Production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.